Good morning. Good afternoon. Good noon time. Good evening. Good night. Whatever time of day it is, I want you to know I'm Lynn Ferguson and I approve this message. I'm Lynn Ferguson, also known as Lynn Tennyson, your host here on the show, Lynn's Vins, a podcast dedicated to Black life in America and all over the world and music. Uh, today, I want to show you all just the queen and nostalgia I can be and get into the topic, as you can see by the title, clearly indicated, old school shows for millennials and millennials only. No one else a lot. No, I'm playing. <laughs> Welcome, all of you. Anyone, any age range, I want you to sit back, relax, grab a snack, and jump in. Lens, Vince. So let's start this off with SpongeBob SquarePants, a show if you don't know, but who doesn't know, about a little yellow sponge who lives at the bottom of the ocean uh, in a place called, a town called Bikini Bottom. Um, It's actually supposed to reference the Bikini Islands where the largest uh, detonation or the detonation of the largest um, bomb, uh, even bigger than the bomb at Hiroshima, um, was uh, took place. Um, it was by the United States of America um, back in the mid 1900s or so, and um, a lot of things and even people were mutated in the area and affected negatively, um, catastrophically, and even fatally. And it was a horrible situation. Um, they were tricked off the island, and you know all kinds of stuff. But SpongeBob SquarePants is supposed to be a show about um, these mutated, you know, sea critters uh, down in Bikini Bottom who in their everyday lives. As SpongeBob, the main character, uh, is a sponge who walks and has hands and feet. And he uh, works at the Krusty Krab uh, where they make burgers, uh, patties for the fish down in the ocean. <laughs> to eat uh, at the restaurant where he uh, his boss Mr. Krabs is he has a, a next door neighbor who's his best friend um, who lives two houses over from him named Patrick who's a starfish and then they've got the um, one of the main antagonists in the show um, aside from his boss Mr. Krabs uh, Squidward who is his next door neighbor who's a you know, squid and um, just ridiculous. Although, technically, yeah, he's a squid, yeah. And um, um, it's just about the little things they get into and how, and SpongeBob in particular, and how he's so naive and gullible and caring that he falls into everything. And he's a little slow too, more than a little. <laughs> But he, he gets into he gets himself into a whole bunch of trouble and just like these crazy ridiculous situations. I'd say my favorite episode, um, aside from the one about the crusty crab pizza that they were trying to get, it was like the one episode when the crusty crab sold pizza, and I think it's like the first episode or something. There was one of them, and it was really good. Like it, it was basically Squidward and Spongebob, you know, so like, um, 
a pessimist and an optimist. You know, extreme pessimist, extreme optimist um, have to work together to deliver this pizza. And it was like impossible to find the place they were supposed to be delivering it to. Like it was crazy. But aside from that, I think my favorite episode is the one where they meet Sandy. (laughs) SpongeBob ends up going, Sandy's this squirrel who, you know, lives at the bottom of the ocean and um, she's domed herself off in this like big dome with her tree house and her like, you know, she has air in there. Um, it's like, you know, a little pocket of air um, in the bottom of the ocean. And whenever she leaves it, she has this um, astronaut suit she wears where she keeps her air in her helmet so that she can, like, you know, interact with all the sea creatures and stuff and not die, not drown, because she's a squirrel. So my favorite episode is when... She's, so he's like getting to know her and like before he goes in, you know, he tells Patrick, his best friend about the whole meetup that they're going to do and Patrick convinces him, oh, this is a date, you know, you got to be a cool, you got to be a cool cat because this is a date, you know, and he convinces him that he has to keep his pinky up the whole time and that's going to make him cool and, you know, help him come off as like cool to you know, uh, Sandy, the squirrel, and, um, you know, um, he gets this idea because he's like, oh, that's what people who, um, you know, that's what people who, as he puts it, wears ears, (laughs) wear ears, you know, which he's mixed, he's confusing putting on ears with like you know she literally breathes air to live (laughs) and it's crazy because it's one of those moments that like shows you that squidward or um, patrick may be much more intelligent than he comes he comes off as and then he leads on but he's just like playing games with people and like showing how stupid they are it's just ridiculous but so in order to be hoity toity and put on ears, he's like, um, you gotta stick your pinky out and you gotta, you know, you're, you're, you're cool. You can handle this air thing. So they don't think it's a, ba- a bit, you know, a big deal. And they go, to, you know, SpongeBob goes in. Patrick is like outside of the perimeter of the glass of her dome treehouse area, you know, her living quarters. So like he's not in there, but he's like, watching everything and he's watching and waiting and watching and waiting and i guess just making sure that spongebob stays cool (laughs) bit by bit spongebob starts to like sweat and he starts to look around and he's getting these beady little eyes and he's just like you know it is pretty damn dry And he just starts to dry the fuck out. It's crazy. And, um, you know, because he's in this air. He's, he's like, becoming, like, a sponge on your sink. Like, on your kitchen counter. Like, it's crazy. And um, instead of the cartoon sponge he was, like, living and shit. And 
super absorbent. <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> I feel like Sandy knew what he was struggling with the whole time because she just like I think she was just like waiting until he would admit it before she acknowledged it since he wanted to play like he didn't need water. <laughs> it got to the point where it was so bad that he tried to give her some flowers that he had brought for her. And she, she's like breaking his fingers, prying his fingers open like some dead skeleton, you know, rusted skeleton. Like just to get the flowers out of his hand because he can't let go of the flowers. Because <laughs> he can't let go of the flowers because he's so dry out. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's just so, it's so crazy because it's like, this is how I knew she was, <laughs> she, she was, she was on some bullshit. Like, this is how you knew she was on some bullshit because, like, his voice was ridiculous. <laughs> Like he was like, I got you some flowers. <laughs> His voice was all dried out. It was crazy. <laughs> but, um, oh my goodness. Then she comes back <laughs> with a vase. She comes back with a vase. <laughs> I'm so nice. Cold water. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it like who puts some ice in the the vase with the roses or with the flowers? Like who does that? I don't know. But she puts some ice in there and the you know the condensation on the side of the glass, you know, it has water like rolling down the side of the glass of the vase and he's just staring at it and like you know spongebob just all these like really ridiculous close-ups so like you can see the desperation and as she's like leaving to go get things and things like that you know and come back to the t- picnic table out in front of her treehouse in this aired off dome <coughs> You know, he's looking over desperately at Patrick, like, get me the fuck out of here. And Patrick is like, Pinky, Pinky. That's what I was referring to at the end of my last episode about the queen when I was like, Pinky, I'm a quitter. It's just ridiculous. It was a, it, that, that episode was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. That one and the one where he's like, they're selling chocolates. <laughs> that was an amazing episode and the dude's chasing them around town and they keep running away from this one dude who's the only person who's like talking about their chocolates and not slamming the door in their faces and they think he's crazy because he's like literally looking absolutely insane like he's gonna like kill them <laughs> and really he's just like acting crazy because he wants to buy all of their chocolates and they don't realize it until the end when he has them right where he wants them. <laughs> but it did taper off pretty quick after 2006 or seven. Um, SpongeBob started really changing. It was great for like the first almost decade, but first eight years or so, but it was, I, I, 
cannot say that anything after 2007 is good. Um, but you know, if we stick to like the main shows, you know, that everybody should know, got Hey Arnold, um, about the kid with the football shaped head. <laughs> and uh, it had a lot of jazz in the show, really good jazz music. Um, and that would like build the suspense or just be the theme music for the show or be the closing or opening or, you know, it's just really good. And um, honestly, Arnold was like, hey, Arnold was like a really great show. Like it was really great. You know, there's this guy on the platform who um, made a song about Hey Arnold. I think it's, is it the big deal on um, the band lab platform? And it was just like, it really had my um, it had my heart as soon as I saw the title and the cover art, and then it matched everything with its like, you know, um, delivery with the actual, you know, product of the song. Like the song was like actually absolutely epic, and. Um, I'll find that song and let you know what it is, but I'm gonna have to keep looking. But, you know, then you've got um, his like, you know, cause you got, you had his like really cool and calm and collected demeanor, you know, that was like really chill. He was like the chillest guy in the show. His, his personality really kept everybody not just in his friend group or in his house, but um, in the whole town, like together. Like he made that whole town go round. It was really cool. You know, and you really got to see his like, you know, introspective moments, real deep moments, um, retrospective moments. Um, you got to see like, just how he maneuvered through life. And, um, you know, it just was a real introspective, retrospective, and like, and like insightful show, you know, overall. There was, you know, he wore like a kilt and like some blue jeans or some like blue pants underneath and uh, maybe some blue slacks. And then he uh, wore like a kind of a teal blue shirt and I think his cap was red and it parted his blonde hair that like was real wild and not really Kim. <laughs> and um, then you had um, his best friend, uh, Gerald, I believe who was um, black and uh, he had this like real tall fro and wore this red jersey with a number nine or a number six on it, I forget. Maybe it was in 96. And no, I think it was just one number. But Arnold always needed to have some like existential crisis or whatever, or like some like really adult decision to have to make. And it was all about how, you know, 
that's cool, calm, and collected kid could, like, you know, solve things that even these adults and other people couldn't solve. And there was this um, a bully guy who was heavier set, and um, there was Helga who had, like, a unibrow, and she had these, like, big blonde pigtails that like her hair wouldn't really go down the way she wanted it to and um she wore like a pink romper with like a white short sleeve shirt underneath and um she would always bully people to hide her emotions and um she she even bullied the bully the the male bully (laughs) and um she was, um, she, but she was absolutely in love with Arnold and she would bully him just to, you know, hide the fact that she loved him, like desperately. She made like this whole art altar and like shrine dedicated to him and all kinds of shit. Like it was really crazy. And, um, you know, it was just a really good show. There was also, um, you know, one flying day with a wolf and a purr, um, a baby born, and it caused a little stir. Uh, no blue buzzer, no three-eyed frog, just a canine, feline, little cat dog. <laughs> cat dog, cat dog, a lonely world of a little cat dog. I don't know what I'm in town, but I can't get much brown. <laughs> I love that show. If you don't remember Cat Dog, it was about this um, cat and dog that were like con- conjoined uh, by the hip. So like where it was supposed to continue to the rest of their, to the end of their body after their middle part of their torso, it would start the other middle part of the torso of the other animal. So from the dog to the cat, the cat to the dog. So um, they had four paws, two each. And it was just really, it was a really cool show. You know, it was really out there. And I remember our, like we had this really awesome special where um, you were going to meet Cat Dog's parents. Cause Cat Dog had never met their parents. And it was like, like a really cool, episode you were gonna find out who exactly you know were cat dog's parents all this time come to find out it was um not a cat or a dog it was like the abominable snowman um um but that was the woman and then um a frog and i think that was the guy or do i have it mixed up i think that's how it went and um it was just like a really yeah that's how it was it was just a really different episode it's a little scary too <laughs> it's a little too much suspense they build up a little bit too much suspense but um you know uh cat dog was great um Rocco's modern life on nickelodeon like epic show and i could have sworn he was like a phone operator at some like you know phone sex operation set set up like you know you know like that live link stuff we used to see on the commercials for on tv when we were kids and stuff like call them live links now 
don't you just want to get on the phone and talk to hot, sexy singles in your area? We've got Dana and Jackson and Common and Vixie. <laughs> Call now. 80 cents a minute. Like, seriously, like... <laughs> I feel like that's where he was working because people used to call him and be like, what are you wearing? And he'd be like, uh, uh, a Hawaiian shirt? Like, with palm trees on? <laughs> but Rocco always used to get into his wacky adventures too. All of our shows were just wacky. It was like people were on acid or something or shrooms. They would like work all day, then get off of work, you know, leave the studio. And like to come up with a new episode, they would just hang out, get stoned, trip out, you know, come cock these like crazy episode plot lines and then come back and, you know, get to a serious work, totally sober in the, um, aside from maybe some weed um, and a drink or two, uh, get to work in the studio and, you know, putting this stuff to paper and you know making the show making the episode like i feel like that's how they did it because that would be the best way to explain how they were able to come up with some of the crazy most wacky ideas that they did it was epic he also had a cow and chicken which was about this cow and this chicken who somehow both were brother and sister the chicken was the brother and the cow was the sister and they had two human parents a white mom and dad <laughs> somehow <laughs> it was drawn in kind of the style of like peanuts um charlie brown and stuff you know where you never saw the parents or the teachers actual faces or whatever usually needless to say when you got that as the plot already like you know the episodes were just ridiculous and there was this red devil guy who actually was in and out of a whole bunch of our cartoons when we were kids and he was this this red naked guy who sometimes he would wear clothes as a disguise or whatever but like he was just naked and he was the devil he was real shiny like a hot link or something you know and i don't know he was just like always creepy and always wanting to put his butt somewhere um or you know playing with other people's butts like it was crazy it was that show was like ridiculous and so he was i think he was in Ren and stimpy too wait was that what i was just talking no no Ren and stimpy yeah it was definitely something but what else there's this one show called all real monsters I don't know if that was Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon, but it was about these like little kid monsters. They look like kids, at least. I think it was supposed to be kids. And um, just the little mischievous things they get into and stuff like that. And their cool like abilities and stuff as monsters. And um, then you've got There was this one show called As Told by Ginger, and it was a more obscure show most people didn't really pay attention to. Um, and Macy Gray did the theme song. Um, it's one of her songs called I'm In Between. 
I don't know the whole song. I only know the part that they put on the um, the TV show as the theme song. But it was like, someone once told me the grass was much greener on the other side. Well, I paid a visit and it's possible I missed it. Same different, yeah, exactly the same. Hi, tell father notice. Tell father notice. I'm in between. I'm in between. From where I'm standing, from where I'm standing, my class is clean. Someone once told me the grass was much greener on the other side. I do a much better job on my YouTube. Look it up. I think it's, I think I titled it um, as told by Ginger, Lynn Ferguson, but uh, it's one of my short videos on my YouTube. Got the same name, Lynn Ferguson. But as told by Ginger, it was just about this teenage or preteen girl between the ages of like 12 and 14. And she was, you know, like really, um, um, it was just, you know, it goes into the struggles of being like that age and like, you know, figuring out if you want to be a popular girl or if you're going to be, continue to be the geeky, nerdy girl um, who's kind of cute. Um, and, you know, um really shy and um she had a younger brother who was you know probably in third or fourth grade and she was probably in like middle school or freshman year of high school at the most and her younger brother had a friend named carl and i think his name was sheen the younger brother and Carl, the friend, was like this, like, you know, um, nerdy, heavy set dude with, like, you know, who always wore hoodies because he was heavy set and he was shy. And um, he would hang around Sheen, who was the more outgoing one, but he was a nerd too. He was one of those, like, outspoken nerds who was, like, you know, probably would, when, uh, probably voted you know, by the class is most uh, likely to uh, bomb the school or something. Like, one of those crazy kids who's always making some weird experiment and, like, you know, acts like an evil mad scientist or whatever and um, does nasty things that he used to carry around um, weird, nasty nicks and knacks and stuff. Like, he had this jar filled with a whole bunch of slimy liquid green liquid or purple liquid and there was an eyeball swirling around in it with like the red stem coming out the end of the eyeball and everything it was crazy and um there was this dog house in the backyard of you know sheen and ginger's house and sheen and his best friend you know the um carl the heavyset dude with the hoodie uh, would go down in the doghouse. Everybody thought that he was just pretending in there with Sheen. Um, but they actually had like a lair that Sheen had built. And he would like go down um, underground 
and there was like this whole like evil scientist there where he did all his experiments and calculations and shit. It was crazy. But um, that was a really good show. There was also The Weekenders, which was a much more... So now I'm going to get into some of the more obscure shows, like The Weekenders and home movies. The Weekenders was about um, these kids who were like in their mid-teens or whatever, and they would like hang out at the mall. And, um, you know, sometimes they'd have little pool parties or whatever the case was, but it was like, um, there was this black dude um, with like a fro type of situation going on. Um, there were, um, there was a white dude with blonde hair and a bowl cut. Um, I think there was a blonde chick with like a bob. There was a red-headed chick with glasses who was like always on the phone. There are a whole bunch of people. It was a really cool show. There was also Invader Zim. I know it was on Cartoon Network at one point, but I think it was on Nickelodeon at one point. And it was about this alien who like was seen by the leaders of his race as like the dumbest and dopiest and klutziest of all of the of all of them. So like they sent him to Earth to either get killed um, or fucked up by the humans or to take over the humans because it was the easiest planet to take over because nobody's there but stupid humans. So he travels all the way to Earth to conquer the planet and he dresses up like a human but he's still got his green skin and he has this like cute little robot and um, who he calls Gur and Gur is so cute and um, no one questions whether or not he's an alien except one boy in his class at school the school he enrolls into that boy is like the odd one out at his school. He's kind of like, really like, he's one of those kids, kind of like Sheen and as told by Ginger, like, you know, real outspoken, like nerdy guy who nobody really likes and everybody like, you know, kind of makes fun of and stuff. And he's always got these like grand ideas of like how everyone will be subjugated and, and it's just crazy. He already has like a bad rap with the school and the neighborhood of being like a pretty out there kid. So they don't believe, so they just think he's crazy when he keeps calling Zim the alien an alien. And um, I think partially they're also just like fucking with him because they don't like him. And um, so it's, it paints this kind of weird situation where like the main character is this alien Zim and you're kind of rooting for him because he's quirky and he's coolish and you know he's the main character but like he's come to take over earth and like you really should be rooting for the who's depicted as the antagonist a human boy and because he's trying to save humans but he's just so unlikable that you end up <laughs> and he's so crazy that you just end up voting for 
rooting for the alien, Zim. So, it's a really good show. But I could go on for days. Angry Beavers, Two Stupid Dogs, Two Stupid Dogs, Two Stupid Dogs. I don't know how many of you all remember Kablam, but it was this animated comedy sketch that featured a whole bunch of like segments of like really cool shows and like totally different. Um, each of them was in like a totally different drawing style and art style and um, by usually by different directors. So it was really cool. It was like, it's basically like, I've never thought about it like this until now, but it was like Saturday Night Live for kids. And there were a lot of different segments on it. It was hosted by this animated, like comic book style drawn uh, duo. Um, June and Henry, Henry and June. Henry um, was this black biracial looking dude with green hair and um, maybe he was just a brown skin or light skin black dude. And then um, June was this like tomboyish, like um, uh, really chill down to earth, uh, a white chick with blue hair. And um, uh, it was kind of like in the like punk rock style, like a lot of the bands back then, like Green Day and um, uh, Panic at the Disco and stuff. But um, they would host and they would introduce every skit uh, throughout the sketch, and it was really cool. So and they would they would have their own little like five minute, three minute, two minute, like uh, you know segment of a show themselves in between each skit that they would introduce. So it was really cool. They would introduce skits like Life with Loopy, which featured this cardboard cutout family. So like I said, all of the animation would be totally different for each cartoon or segment on the sketch. And, um, each sketch on the show and um basically these evil disgusting monster creatures would form out of the weirdest stuff in your everyday house like features so like um some moldy milk in the fridge would spawn some milk monster and um or some old gym socks from their dad or from the older brother would spawn some you know you know fungus monster and they would have to like especially loopy um because she'd usually be like the only one who could help everybody um try to solve it by the end of the episodes and it was really cool and um very detailed really good drawing very imaginative and uh there was also Snizz and Fondue, which the, I think they were like ferrets of some kind. They looked like cats or like ferrets. And um, there was a real tall one named Fondue and a real short one named Snizz. The short one was like a rascal and he 
always get into a whole bunch of stuff and he was the more caring one and the tall one was um real haughty toddy and up up his own ass and shit and he would always like thwart the guy in his missions or whatever but they really cared about each other and that would always be like the moral at the end of the story or each episode um there was also the most popular one um segment action league now that got its own show after the um after kablam was over because it was the most watched show and it was basically about these like action figures and each one had like its own superpower and so like there was thunder girl who could fly and she really should have been called like plunder girl because she was really clumsy and she had always like run into stuff kind of like george of the jungle and then there was this like really buff guy who was real strong but he was stupid too and he only wore underwear there was this one guy who was like melt man and all he could really do was melt so yeah and usually they'd be trying to thwart the plans of the villain and by the end of each episode it usually ended up being the mayor who was this black guy in a blue suit who had this wicked laugh <laughs> there is also prometheus and bob and prometheus was like this alien you know real skinny alien purple creature and um looked like you know one of the ship comrades he looked like one of the ship comrades from Star Trek or something. And then there was Bob, the caveman. And he'd always try to teach Bob how to do some stuff. And Bob would like not look like he was getting it, but really he understood more than even the alien understood. And he was smarter than the alien. And they would show that in each episode in ways that the alien would not pick up on. And it would, each episode would always result in him like getting really frustrated with with the caveman Bob and he would like try to you know he like lose his temper and then Bob would like smack his ass like <laughs> ring him by a skinny little neck but Kablam was awesome it was it was really a great show it was definitely my um my bread and butter there are a whole bunch of other segments on there too but those were some of the most some of the most popular and i know i'm missing like one or two of the other really popular ones but um life with luthi was always my favorite but we have a lot of great cartoons and i'm really happy that you know we can go on like these different networks like like Paramount and stuff like that and like watch these old school TV shows when we were kids and like feel the nostalgia. It's really cool. So I'm gonna watch Smallville and I will jump in lens fins next time with you. Every time I say that it reminds me of this TV show I watched when I was a kid called Out of the Box <laughs> where they would like jump, I think it was a noggin and they would like jump in and out of this like box 
and it looked like this like world of box that it looks like it looked like this like world of boxes that like kids make when they stack cardboard boxes on top of each other but when you go inside it's like this whole world it's crazy it's like this whole world on the inside like when you move behind that brick wall in harry potter real cool stuff